cliffcentral.com We're going to cry, laugh and love. And we're going to do it together. The Life with Libang podcast. Welcome to Life with Lebang. Thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing me. You have no idea how much it means to me to know that I'm speaking to you and I'm doing something real and you're being moved by the things that I share with you weekly, courtesy of Cliff Central. My name is Lebang Hosanna. And this is Life with Lebang, a place where we chat, a place where we unpack, a place where we connect. And it's a safe place. I like to say safe place because we need more of those kinds of places everywhere we go. We just hope that we are entering into a place that is not going to suck too much of our energy. And if it is, make sure that it's sucking right. It better take the good parts of our energy so that we can move on and share that with other people that we encounter and share that with other people that we engage with and interact with. I'm very keen to be here today. I'm very keen to share with you some of my pregnancy stories. I've had three incredibly unique and individual pregnancy stories. And... It's more than one. It's more than two. It's three. It's three pregnancy stories in the space of like seven years, of which I can remember each and every single one as though it was yesterday. Literally, that's how, you know, involved I was in the entire experience. So I did mention last time that we hung out that I'm going to be unpacking every single one of my experiences because I've had like a nice 360. I've given birth in a range of um, hospitals in South Africa, being a young Woman in South Africa, being a young brown woman in South Africa. Um, and I'm here just to share some of my experiences and really, um, you know, my thoughts around it and, you know, what we can do just to make them more present and also not to scare you and not to scare somebody that you know who perhaps is pregnant, uh, or if you have considered becoming a parent or if you ever wondered how you got here. <laughs> so I'll start with my first experience, which was in the year 2014. I was a student at the University of Pretoria. I was living my best life, having fun, being wild, just being like a classic student, going to Hatfield Square every other Thursday. It was just great. I had a really fantastic university experience. And then I fell pregnant. And I don't want to say fell pregnant, because when you put fall into it, it's almost like you just kind of tripped and sort of landed there and just happened to be there. No, I did not fall pregnant. I was pregnant i became let me say became became makes it sound more profesh i became pregnant during my final year at university i was studying a become marketing and communications and i subsequently had to make um a deal with the teachers the, the lecturers and i was like look let me go home it's my first kid let me take the time that i need to apply myself to being present in this birth and then please can i just have an extension of like six months to come back and finish and they said it's all good so i was like yay nothing is going to be taken off track here i'm still on par with my life plan well, sort of anyway, adjusting to this new thing that is now becoming a part of my life plan. And so I was very, very lucky enough to have the support of my mother who said to me, look, uh, let's get you the best medical care. And I was still on her medical aid at the time. So she was like, let's go to Morningside Clinic. Let's get you the best gynecologist and, 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 and that's exactly what happened. So for the most part, yes, I was scared. It's a scary thing. Having your first child is a scary thing. 
being a partner to someone who's having their first child is an even more scary thing because it's like, geez, what do you do if you also don't know where to start? And true to form, till this day, I, I believe that you'll never be ready, fully, fully, fully ready to have a child. Even if you've read all the books, you can read all the books, you can go to all the counselings, you can get all the what-what that you need. When that child arrives, it's literally just you and this world that you now have to create for this child. So you'll never know everything. It'll always be challenging, but it's up to you just to make sure it works. So anyway, I am now... Very lucky enough, as I said, for my mom to help me out. I'm in a private clinic. I'm at Morningside Clinic. The level of care that the nurses gave me. And this was 2014, pre-COVID, pre-what-what, and all that jazz. So it was still like, it was vibes. It was so intricate and detailed. I really felt like they loved me. Like they didn't even know me, but like the way they cared for me, I was like, these, these ladies are like being so extra nice to me. Why? What's the, what's the reason? You know, so I ran with it. I was just having a, a good time. To be honest, my first pregnancy didn't even feel like I was in any way ill. You know, there's like, as in medical terms, when you are pregnant, you are actually ill. Like you are, your body is not, you're not yourself because you are now sharing your body and, and, and so, it's actually an inverted commas, you are ill on paper, theoretically. I didn't feel that way. I don't remember ever getting morning sickness. I don't ever remember feeling weak. My ankles weren't swollen. My teeth weren't falling out. If anything, I was looking fly as hell. I was still killing it. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I'm being, like, you know, something's been taken away from me. Although inside I knew that there's a child growing and I was happy to experience it. I wasn't even showing. I only started showing maybe at like six, seven months. So I spent a full six months being pregnant, but like, just like chilled, you know, just living my life, going about my way. And I think things took a little bit of a turn when the doctor said I have to go for a Caesar. And obviously there's different ways to give birth. There's like natural birth and then there's a Caesar. And the Caesar really should only come into play when it's like you don't have a choice, when there's like some complications or when, you know, it's it's your choice. But you generally should try for natural birth. And I was just quite taken aback because at the time I was like, I was, I wasn't doing a lot of research. I didn't really know much about birthing and that experience. I was still young. I was 24. So I was like, look, let's do it. Let's do the Caesar. Just cut me open. I don't mind. It's cool. Of which I don't feel the same way now. If I could turn back the hands of time and speak to like 24 year old Lebang, I'd be like, just stop. Doc, take that night. Stop. I wouldn't, but it's done. It's out of my control now. And so I went through the experience of, you know, being cut open. And having my baby And I remember saying After my son was born I remember saying that I felt like I was on holiday Because the level of care That the nurses were giving me Was just so warm It was so nice They were so welcoming And so helpful At some points I really could depend on them For for more than just the, the, the care That they were giving me there At the hospital So my experience was just It was lovely It was so comforting Because it was scary It was my first child I didn't know what to expect So in 2014 The nurses at uh, Morningside Clinic Were fabulous They were lovely Kudos to them um, That whole experience was great So after I left Morningside Clinic, I went home. And I think that's when it really began. Like the real reality. Like it kicked in like boom. 
It's real It's occurring This is your child And you are solely responsible for this child Because now I'm at home And I'm trying to now recover So I'm in recovery mode And it's a little bit difficult Because I'm, as I said I'm young I'm trying to you know, be out here in these streets Doing my thing But I can't In fact I was ready to go back to school But I couldn't Because now I'm stuck in bed And because of the operation I can't necessarily move I can't necessarily do anything I'm having to recover So there were a lot of factors that were in play You know that Again if I could go back and change those things I probably would but I can't But I was lucky enough to have an opportunity To give birth a second time and a third time And at that point I had chosen Different routes So as per you know The medical terms And as per what the doctors say A caesar or rather A caesarean section is a surgical Option for delivering a baby The surgeon makes an incision through the uterus And manually removes the baby I like that manually They would have said naturally if it was natural But they manually remove the baby. Sometimes C-sections are planned, but complications during labor for a vaginal birth can also prompt doctors to perform emergency C-sections. And about one in three women delivers via C-section. That is crazy. But the procedure is a major surgery and does involve many risks. I wish I had done this research when I was 24. Because I remember being stuck in bed for about three weeks, not being able to move, not being able to stand up and go use the toilet, not being able to go make myself food. It was hella painful. And I still have the scar as proof of that battle. It was so, so I couldn't, like coughing was so painful. In fact, kesejari. It's a surgical procedure. That's exactly what it is. So there's bound to be complications. What shocked me is how many women in South Africa actually get C-sections. Apparently, the C-section rate has doubled in South Africa since 2019. Considering that in South Africa, we've got 216 private hospitals and 342 public hospitals. So there's more public hospitals than private, but it's quite evident that the care that one would get from a public hospital is miles apart from the care that one would get from a private hospital. And that is for simple reasons. It's the cost implication. Giving birth in a public hospital is free. You part ways with zero money. You do not swipe upon exit. They do not accept cash. You know you cannot send an e-wallet because you simply do not need to. But at a private hospital, baby, you better be prepared to part ways with at least 45,000 rands. At least minimum. So before you start having these great ideas... (laughs) About growing your big, you, your family and doing things, you better check yourself. 45 grand. And that's the min. Then there's a hospital care for every night that you spend in the hospital. There's a, there's money that you need to part ways with. It is intense considering the state of the economy in South Africa. And this is all 2019. I'm sure now it's even worse. In 27, in 2014, when I gave birth via Caesar at Morningside, I think I remember parting with it like 36 grand. It was a lot, but again, you know, shout out to moms, had my back. But now, uh, bro, <laughs> that's no way. So there's a lot of costs. And that's why generally, um, you will see more women. Well, generally, let me just be, put it to you straight up. Most of us just can't afford it. 
Healthcare in South Africa is so expensive. So now imagine you're pregnant. Ideally, we all want to bring our child into the world in a more comfortable environment, in an environment you're in control of, and in, in an ideal environment that you choose. But not everybody has the luxury of that option. Not everybody. And I'll explain a bit later when I unpack my other pregnancy experiences, the major difference. But anyway, so back to my first pregnancy. I've had the Caesar, and now more and more South Africans are having Caesar. And I must add that it was not by choice. I did not, I chose to have it in the sense of like, if the doctor says I must do it, shop. But really, 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 I was just down for whatever. I was like, cool, let's get it. But when the doctor said you can only do a Caesar, that's when I got excited. I was like, oh, we're doing a Caesar? Aight. What I should have done was done my research. I really should have done my research. And I encourage all new moms, all boyfriends and girlfriends who are having these conversations, all husbands and wives who are having these conversations about pregnancy and different types of giving birth, all of that, please, please do your research. Because there are pros and cons. Because not all bodies are the same. So you generally want to know what's going to work for you and what isn't going to work for you. Right? So C-sections are necessary, obviously, if the mother experiences some problems during labor. So I'm not against it if you don't have a choice. Like if Vela Vela, the doctor is like, this is all you can do, go for it. It only becomes a problem when they force you and you don't have a choice. And that's something I experienced later on in life. When I wanted to have a natural birth, and I was told, no, you cannot. You have to have a seat. And you know, it's gotten so bad that you go to some doctors and they'll just tell you straight up that they don't even do vaginal births anymore. They only do C-sections. I was like, why? I mean, they must have their reasons. They are medical doctors. These are qualified individuals. But you don't even want to do natural births like at all? This got me thinking, man. This, this, this really upset me and got me thinking because it's clear that not enough women are doing research. It's clear that if the C-section numbers in South Africa has doubled in the past two years, then something's going on. Something is up. And, you know, there's pros and there's cons to whatever method of delivery you end up doing. Um, I don't doubt that those doctors must have experienced something with the vaginal birth for them to just only want to do C-sections. But I encourage all mummies to be, please do your research. It's really what's going to separate you from making the right choice and making the bad choice. Because, again, it's always a unique experience. All babies are, are different and your body is your body. If you and your friend both have babies at the same time, chance of you having the same experience is are practically non-existent. So doing your research is an important and vital, vital part of this entire process. And a big part of this process is the recovery. Because right after you give birth, do you know that you'll bleed for six weeks? Not only are you stuck in bed because you've just had a surgery, you're now depending on everybody to feed you and, you know, take you to places and do everything on your behalf. But now you're bleeding for six weeks. And now the human body is such a beautiful thing because the whole process of pregnancy is just beautiful. It's, it's lovely just to, to know that the body is that clever. The body is that clever. It's so clever that even after the pregnancy, it just wants to flush all of that out and make room 
for new blood and make room for new energies and new things. That's the beauty about listening to your body. If your body says to you, hey man, don't go there. Don't do that. Not that person. And you listen. You'll end up really, really being grateful that you did. So never ever doubt what your body's saying to you. So the recovery from a Caesar is quite intense. It's basically similar to just recovering from any normal abdominal surgery. Getting up and moving around, it's just, it's harder. In fact, they encourage you to not do that so you can prevent any possible blood clots. You can't jog, you can't run, you can't do anything. You can't reach out for the coffee jar at the top of the, you know that coffee jar there at the top of the fridge? Forget it. Just forget it. You're not drinking coffee today, ma. It's just not going to happen. You just have to stay put. You can't do any heavy lifting. So there's a lot of restrictions that come with, you know, recovering from a Caesar. It is an intense experience. And if I were to compare it to my other birthing experiences, again, if I could turn back the hands of time, things would have been completely different. But my biggest challenge post Caesar was the attempt at breastfeeding. Now, breastfeeding in itself is just a whole activity that requires so much attention. It requires a lot of detail. It requires, you know, you need to commit to it. You can't just sort of willy-nilly it. You can't half-ass breastfeed. It's so detailed. So number one, you've just come out of surgery and you're healing. This child is hungry. Have you ever woken up and just like you went to sleep and you didn't eat? Number one. Now it's the next morning and you need breakfast, but you haven't eaten. There's nothing in the house. It's maybe like the 15th or the 16th of the month. So now you're broke and you're like, hey, but I'm hungry. And you know, maybe you'll only be able to eat around lunchtime. But there's a plan that you can make. And the only plan is just to freaking snatch some food somewhere and run. That's exactly what babies do. After you give birth, they are so hungry that they just finna snatch. And when they see a little nipple and that golden milk that comes out of that, they just snatch. Even if it means humch. That's the sound that the snatching makes. And amen, it's so... <laughs> It is so so. That's why I started with breastfeeding being intense because it is out of this world. Why are you biting me, dog? Like I, I'm willing to feed you, but don't bite me. So there's there's learning how to breastfeed. Again, not all of us have the same experiences. Not all women have the same size breasts, same size nipples, same structure. So some women naturally, boom, it happens for them perfectly. They are just able to, you know, the, the baby's mouth and the nipple just come together like a hand to a glove. And it's just, that's it. And then there's other mothers that now you must, you must play PlayStation and you must find the mouth and you must look and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a console because it's just like, ah. And by God's grace, eventually you get it. And you cross thumbs that every time the child is hungry, you're able to provide. But there's situations where that's not always the case. Where you're struggling or your child is biting you. Or God forbid, there's no food. There is no milk for you to give to your child. Why? Because you haven't eaten. If you aren't eating, how is your child going to eat? How are you going to eat if you're in bed? And you can't stand up and go to the kitchen to make yourself food. There's so many factors that are involved in just the bread, uh, the breastfeeding process 
that one needs to be aware of. Make sure you're constantly fed, mama. Make sure you are constantly fed Even if it means every two hours You're eating something Because that child is going to come through And just suck the food out of you So you better make sure that you're eating Make sure that your family knows That they need to feed you Make sure that your partner knows That he needs to feed Or she needs to feed you Because your baby's going to need to eat And you have to be ready To supply a baby with food And then after that Maybe you're going to want to go back to work Maybe you've only got about six, four to six weeks of, of a maternity leave or paternity leave. Now you have to consider, how am I going to breastfeed this child while I'm at work? Oh my goodness. That's where a breast pump comes in. Get a breast pump. Boom, boom, boom. You're pumping, you're pumping. Now you, you know, you're putting aside this golden, golden milk. It really is called golden milk because it's just, it's priceless. And it, it tastes quite decent. <laughs> but as soon as you get back to work, what are the chances that you'll be able to keep up with this demand? Because the demand is high. And when baby's very, very small, baby wants to eat like this. Can you hear that? Like that. Now, when I want to eat, I want to eat. You better feed me. What if you're not there? Okay, there's a little bit of pumped milk in the, in the fridge. You defrost that. And then your baby's eating via bottle. And then when that runs out, this is why doing your research is such a vital thing. Stepping outside of yourself and saying, am I really ready for this? Am I willing to make sacrifices and part ways with some of the things that I would usually do for the sake of this child that I want to bring into the world? Do I work in a place where they will encourage me to go on and have my child and I'll still come back and find my job. Can I afford to have a baby? Can I afford to bring a child into this world? And what kind of environment am I bringing this child into? Is the structure at home correct? Will there be people there to support me if I need to rush back to whatever I was doing? These are all things that need to be considered throughout. So when I say do your research with regards to baby, that's just one part of it. Do your research with regards to you. Do your research with regards to your partner. Do your research with regards to your support structure. Do your research with regards to your friendships because I can tell you off the bat, some people are going to disappear. People are just like that. People come and go. Are you ready to be disappointed by the fact that maybe your closest friend of all your life, your best friend, is suddenly jealous because you don't you can't give them the same attention. Now you're giving all this attention to this little tiny human and your best friend your best friend just takes offense and leaves. Saying it is just so weird because it's like what? There's people like that? Uh, yeah, there's definitely people like that. They will shock you to your core. So ask yourself if it's a journey that you're ready to take on. As I said in the beginning, you will never be fully, 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 fully ready to take on this journey of parenting. But there's definitely steps to take before you even consider it. I guess the first thing you should ask yourself is, am I happy? Am I happy enough to bring life into this world and to share this happiness? Am I content enough? Am I stable enough 
to bring life into this world? Is this the kind of home that I want to raise a child in? Is this the right time in my life that I want to raise a child in? And there's all sorts of myths that exist about the right and wrong time to give birth and to have a child. I want to say this right now. Ladies, when it's your time, it's your time. That's it. Do not use society's ideas about us as a bench or a crutch. Well, I'm 30. I better have my baby now or else I'll never be able to. No, you you can't consult with society. If you're really feeling like you're, in inverted commas, running out of time, go to the doctor. Let somebody who's qualified tell you the facts with regards to when's the best time for you to try and when you cannot come. But to listen to society, oh man, it's tricky. It's a little bit tough. So there's a lot of layers involved in the birthing process, in the birthing journey. But ways to make it healthier, ways to make it easier, ways to make it more enjoyable and more memorable are to just ensure that within yourself, all of those boxes are ticked. That within yourself, this is the right time. That within yourself, this is something you're willing to carry. Because I haven't even started talking about diapers and the price of diapers. <laughs> I haven't even started talking about the price of those postnatal what what. Hey, there's things. And if you're not on medical aid, the entire experience will humble you. It will absolutely humble you. So I encourage you today to, to take with you what I have shared and apply it at that point in your life when it's time or when you have your chance. If the time is right now, congratulations. May your whole pregnancy journey and experience be beautiful. If it's something you're thinking about, please take my advice today. Do as much research as possible. Because, yay, yeah, yeah, you could be in Thailand or in Bali there, but now you must pick between flights and school fees. So (laughs) just ask yourself if it's for you or if it's not for you. The beauty of it all and the joy and the pricelessness of it is really just being able to see your child's face every single day and watch them grow and change and become this independent person because when you look at your child that's all you that's your work and therein lies the why the why you do it it's because that look on their faces man it's so priceless it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of to know that i did that when you look at my child you're looking at a version of me a reflection of me and that's that's just fact and there's this There's no word to describe how it feels when you look at your child smile at you just because you've walked through the door. Mommy, daddy, I was like, damn, these kids love me. They take me as I am. And that is the beauty. So all of the other stuff, that's just like semantics and that's just admin and fluff and all the the stuff that you have to do. But the joy that comes from all of that makes it all Absolutely worth it. Why am I talking about pregnancy? Because it's life with Lebang. Cliffcentral.com